welcome back to another episode of Spaghetti Fiction. I am your host, Alyssa, and today we are going to be talking about two different movies, Not Cool and Holidaysburg. If so, if you listened to the previous episode that came out a couple of weeks ago, you know that I talked about the short-lived docuseries called The Chair. It aired on Stars in 2014. And it starred Shane Dawson and A.M. Lucas, or at the time she was going by Anna Martellucci. And it was basically a setup of two first-time directors competing against one another, where they both developed and directed their first feature-length film, derived from the same script, titled How Soon Is Now, written by Dan Schofer. So I went into a lot of detail and kind of analyzed each episode and walked you through it step by step and a lot of the behind the scenes, what I felt about the docu-series as a whole, if I thought it worked, if it didn't, you know, things like that. So we're not going to go too much into it. I do want to talk about the resulting films because I did watch them over a month ago, so they're not exactly fresh on my mind, but I do have some notes here and there that I kind of want to highlight. So this episode might not be too long just because of, again, the, the freshness of the entire plots of both movies are not in my head. You know, I, fi I figured, you know, since these are technically movies that are Thanksgiving movies and they kind of center around that time frame, I figured it would be a, a fun kind of thing to talk about and kind of you know, kind of goes with November, Thanksgiving. Am I right, guys? I do apologize for the background noise. I am living with other people, so you are going to hear some things here and there, but I am going to try and cover it the best that I can. Uh, so apologies for all that. So the first movie I decided I'm going to talk about is Shane Dawson's Not Cool, just because more people know who Shane Dawson is opposed to Anna Marimucci, you know, he's a very big, or he was a very big YouTuber for a long time, and so I figured we could just go through that movie, and also because I have a lot more to say about how awful that movie is compared to Holidaysburg. Um, so just to get this out of the way, just to preface, Not Cool is very raunchy, it's very offensive, it's basically like American Pie, but also like 20 times worse in my opinion just because like the storyline and everything is just really awful whereas Holidaysburg is shot beautifully and it's you know it's a cute movie but it was also very lackluster in the sense that like I don't really remember much from it so you know that's just like the quick reviews for both movies right there so for some reason I had a difficult time finding like the whole plot outline for Not Cool. So I'm going to be reading bits and pieces of the Hollywood Reporter's review. I believe this one, there doesn't seem to be a writer on here uh, for Hollywood Reporter, so I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and read through this article with you guys just to kind of give you a little bit of background because um, it does give a little bit of the storyline, but obviously not. Um, in its entirety. Shane Dawson's raunchy comedy is one of two films featured in the Stars reality competition series The Chair. If nothing else, Shane Dawson's Not Cool represents an interesting illustration of artistic license. One of two films sponsored by the Stars reality competition show The Chair, this film is so tonally different from the other entry. 
Anna Martimucci's Holidaysburg, that it's a wonder they were both made from the same original screenplay by Dan Schofer. The films are vying for a $250,000 prize based on multi-platform voting, and let's just say that if Holidaysburg doesn't win a recount, is in order. The storyline, set in a small Pennsylvania town and concerning the interactions among a group of former high school friends reuniting during a Thanksgiving college break, is roughly the same. Former prom king Scott, filmmaker Dawson, is dumped by his girlfriend Heather, a wildly over-the-top Jory Cosell, but finds a new romance with former ugly duckling Tori, Jeremy Lee, who has blossomed into a quick-witted beauty. Meanwhile, Scott's sister Janie, Michelle Vintamia, finds herself relentlessly wooed by the supremely dorky Joel, Drew Monson, who almost manages to win her over thanks to the extensive knowledge about her he's gained via the internet. But whereas Martimucci treated the material with sensitivity and gentle humor, Dawson, who's earned fame and fortune via his extensive YouTube presence, has apparently taken such raunchy teen comedies as Porky's for his inspiration. Filled with ethnic stereotypes, scatological humor, profane language, and characters who are not so much caricatures as cartoons, Not Cool well lives up to its title. From its opening voiceover describing sex with various vegetables to its homeless black man who proudly proclaims, I'd rather eat my own shit, and proceeds to do just that before later exposing his genitalia to the repeated scenes of girls being vomited on, the film traffics in relentlessly unfunny vulgarity. Other examples include Heather's rapturous encounter with a glory hole and Scott taking revenge on her after the breakup by taking a dump on her lawn. Why weren't you into poop stuff when we were together? She asks forlornly. Oh, and let's not forget the post-tally of rapes occurring at a raucous party, or the endless humiliations of gay, obese, and blind characters. Of course, all this might be semi-excusable if the results manage to actually be funny, but laughs are virtually non-existent. Save for Lee, who exhibits a sassy charm as the freewheeling Tory, the performers are unable to rise above the low-rent material. Tech credits are similarly unimpressive, with the frenetic editing only accentuating the strained nature of the proceedings. I think that really kind of says a lot. So if I am remembering correctly, we open up with one of those voiceovers that was being voiced by Tori Sheremy Lee, and she was talking about how she was a dork in high school and she was made fun of. They called her Tori the Hori, which is a, such an unique nickname for sure and is like you know going to college is definitely something where you can become your own person but then you come home for the holidays and then you have to be back to where you were um as somebody who graduated from college i don't really believe that necessarily like it's not in this film it's very over exaggerated that people actually give a shit about her after they graduated like my first Thanksgiving back home from college, uh, like three years ago, well, actually, I don't, did I even go? No, I didn't even go back. I went, I was home for one Thanksgiving, and I think that was, like, last year, and I only saw, like, one of my friends from high school, and that was it, because I, maybe it's because I wasn't in that kind of crowd of people in high school that went to parties all the time and shit, but also, like, it was like four years after I graduated. Why would I want to reconnect with anybody that I went to high school with? So I don't know. It's it's very weird. But I guess it's different when it's your first year away from college because uh, you miss your friends and all that fun shit, right? 
You know, we, we enter and see Tori waiting at a train station next to a black homeless man eating his own shit out of a cup. And Tori is like, yeah, I don't want to fucking see my parents, you know, because they suck or whatever. She's one of those, like, edgy teen girls. It's like, I hate everyone and everything. And I, I don't want to be around any of these people. I'm so much better than them. I'm not like other girls. Uh, she's one of those girls. And the guy was like, yeah, I'd rather eat my own shit after he sees their family. Tori's family come up, start screaming and all this weird shit, right? And he's like, then he eats his own shit out of a cup. And I'm just like, okay, cool. We're not even like two minutes into the fucking movie. And there's already a poor homeless dude eating his shit. Very, very cool. You know, it's not offensive and gross at all, but whatever, I guess. And I believe at this time, Shane was in his mid-twenties. So finding like poop jokes and race, racially charged jokes funny by that age is kind of gross, but whatever, okay? Uh, at the same time, we are introduced to Scott, Shane Dawson's character, also at the same train station, running into his girlfriend, Heather, who is completely insane, and it doesn't make any sense how they're together. She starts running up to him and screaming at him, and then takes him into the bathroom and does some weird parkour shit over the uh, stall, and is like, let me give you a blowjob through some weird glory hole and he was like you look like the Alice in Wonderland cat right now which isn't funny I think it would make more sense if he actually knew the name of the cat um I don't know the name of the cat but like it's just a really dumb joke right and then the same homeless dude is in the bathroom and then drinks his own piss so like there we go another another like weird joke yeah Scott and Heather are broken up omg and so he goes back meanwhile we are introduced to Drew Monson's character, Joel, and Janie, who is Shane, or Scott's, Scott's little sister who is in high school. And we also see Shane, Shane Dawson uh, dressed up as another side character who whose name I honestly cannot remember because it doesn't really matter, who throws in a stupid, you're a stupid Ecuadorian bitch thing to Janie, who I believe is hispanic ecuadorian um which is really weird to me and then walks away so we get to see shane dawson in a wig and yeah so like ha 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 shane in a wig that's hilarious his 12 year old audience is gonna love that for sure because that's what he's known as and i believe drew is also friends with tori so he's like fucking going to the high school stalking around and like finds janie and is like trying to ask her out and she's like I'm not into you. Um, and I want to make a quick note. Like, I do love Drew very much. I think he's a very good actor. And I think his comedic timing is really good. And he can do improv very well. And, and I think him and Jeremy really, like, brought most of the acting to this movie. It really just goes to show that the script is just really bad. <laughs> and you don't give your actors much to work with, so you can't really see, like, their their full range of skills. And I think that's probably what kept a lot of these people from getting future jobs because they were in this movie. Meanwhile, Tori is, like, I guess back home, too, and is talking to her gay best friend back in college who is very stereotypical because he's got the, he's got the scarf, he's got the, you know, the, the certain kind of way that stereotypical flamboyant gays talk and move and shit, and it's like, okay, we get it, he's gay, like, do we really need to ham that up? Like, can't he just be gay without being stereotypically flamboyant? Or is, like, that too much to ask? Because part of me is like, I just don't think, like, Shane understands that People who are, like, not white and are not, like, straight can act like 
regular people, you know, because they are like normal, regular people, but I digress. While that's going on, in the background, we see Tori's parents exercising, right? Because they transformed her room into an exercise room. And then there's a poop joke. The mom shits herself, and it's, like, not funny at all. Also, I forgot to mention this, but uh, we get to see Tori's older sister at the train station, who's played by Lisa Schwartz, Shane Dawson's um, girlfriend at the time when they were filming this. She plays a blind girl. They hype that up a lot with her because they make it... I remember in the last episode, if you remember, I was talking about how Shane made this comment about how he wanted the older sister to be blind because she, he wanted to make Tori's character feel bad that this girl who's blind is more accomplished than her, which is kind of a shitty thing. So they really, like, I guess, talk about that too. Like, oh yeah, she can paint and do all this shit, but she's, like, completely blind. You know, I made a comment how that didn't really, like, it, that doesn't rub me the right way. You know, I just don't like that he made that comment. Uh, I still don't. I think it's really fucking gross and weird. And then I believe later that night, everybody reconvenes at this huge house party. So it's Tori, Janie, Drew. I think Drew and Tori go together. Tori is once again talking about how much she hates being back home and having to see all these people in high school. Like, honestly, you could have just, like, not went to that party that all the high school kids were at. If you're going to be such a bitch, like, maybe just don't fucking come home. Like, it's not that hard, right? Joel's like, man, I really am in love with Janie. And Tori is like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you still like her? And then he makes, he finds Janie and makes this, like, joke about how he's been getting so much, like, girls in college. And he has a Tumblr blog called Ass Ventures or some weird shit, which is, like, so not funny. And meanwhile, like... Let me, let me tell you this. Okay, so I just think the relationship that was set up in general is, like, super predatory. Like, first of all, Drew or Joel is in college, right? So why the fuck is he still, like, into, like, high school girls? Like, that is red flag number one, right? It doesn't matter if she's, like, 17 or whatever. Like, she's in high school. You're in college now. Like, just, like leave, them, leave them alone. Like, go find somebody else that's in college, right? Like, it's just fucking weird. And the fact that he's, like, been following around and talking nonstop about her is even weirder, okay? Uh, and so in this party, at this party, he ends up, like, knocking a drink over to her on her shirt, and they go into the bathroom together, and he's, like, trying to wipe it off, and it's, like, near her chest area, and she's just like, uh, I can do that myself, and then it's just, like, staring at her chest and acting, like, super fucking gross and weird. My, my question is, is why is she still letting him be around her throughout this entire movie? Like, I don't get it. Like, I remember in the series, uh, the docuseries, where Shane was talking about how he wanted to rewrite Joel's character because, and make him better, and then now, and then how he felt that the rewritten version for, from him is, makes more sense, and that he deserves to have, to get Janie, which, uh, no, because he's predatory and gross and is, like, stalking her on Instagram and shit. Like, that's fucking weird. All of these characters are very one-dimensional so far. You know, there's really no depth to any of them. No, in, in the, she, like, Shane tries to give depth to, like, Scott and, um, Tori, but he doesn't do a good job of it. Like, it's just really, like, bad. Also, before I forget to mention, the person who was hosting this party that they were at earlier in the night is by this Indian guy who is very, very Indian, apparently. 
So they really ham that shit up, right? And so then we have, like, Scott and Tori driving somewhere. I don't fucking know. I guess he's supposed to be, she's supposed to be driving him home. I don't even know why he was walking in the middle of the night. Like, was he gonna go to the party? Was that the idea? Because in the original script, they had a scene about that, but that was all, like, cut out. So I don't even know what, what, uh, Shane was thinking. And they're talking about how high school was bad for Tori and all this weird shit. Blah, blah, blah. Trying to be, like, deep and shit, and it's not really working out. I really don't remember half of the, the conversation they had. But they ended up, uh, having sex. Um, who would have known? I will say, by this point, I think Sherry is a really decent actress. Like, she's really good, and she is trying to deliver those lines the best that she can, and she has a lot of potential. It's just, like, the script is, like, bringing her down, like I said earlier. Meanwhile, Shane and his jokes are falling flat. So there's that. And then I don't honestly like they end up having sex and then she drops him off home the next morning, I guess, because they spend the night in her truck. I, ugh. And uh, so they're having Thanksgiving dinner, both families. So we see Tori's Thanksgiving dinner, right? The sister's fiance, Gail, or Jill who apparently is supposed to be secretly gay. Um, I kind of didn't really get that from watching this. I just thought he was, like, really perky and weird. Like, he was... Th that entire family is just, like, so loud and, like, over-enthusiastic. Like, it's very irritating. You know what I mean? Like, it's really irritating. Shane shows up and knocks on the door and is like, I need to talk to you about the sex we had last night. Because apparently this man falls in love with Tori. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Because, like, she obviously made it pretty clear that she's, like, not into him. And she's like, you need to leave because it's Thanksgiving and I'm hanging out with my family. And then the mom intervenes. It's like, you want to come in and hang out? And Tori's like, no, just fucking go home. And and uh, Scott invites himself in anyway. He's like, yeah, I'm come in. And they do some dance games together. Tori is trying to explain that she doesn't really like him while they're competing in this dance game. And then says something about him being... A shitty photographer which apparently we're supposed to know that he's going to school for photography which has never once been brought up so I'm not really sure where that fucking came from Shane really needs to understand and figure out what exposition means because obviously he fucking doesn't Joel is still working at the record shop that Janie and Scott's dad owns. And he's making some really gross comments about one of Janie's photos because there's a photo where you can see like sort of her cleavage and he's like zooming in on it and he's talking about like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like have a little mini thing and stuff. And it's like really fucking gross. Like it's so weird. And the dad is like right next to him. Like, come on, bro. Like the levels of like uncomfortableness I've been, I've felt while watching this movie. It's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just awful. And then him and Tori end up going to the mall because Drew decided he was going to stalk every inch of her social medias and, and plan this like perfect date, which is supposed to be a study date. I forgot that Joel coerces Janie into letting him help her study for this huge history exam coming up in this guy's class called Doc, uh, uh, Mr. Draper, who they nicknamed Draper the Raper. Haha, ha, so funny, right? He decided he was going to rent a party bus and stalk all of her Instagram and social media feeds and plan this perfect date. So they're at the mall and he uh, for Black Friday, and he is like searching for like the best dress and making all of these weird jokes, which are actually kind of funny. Like the scene with just him and Jeremy is funny because they do have like 
they can like bounce off of each other and like, do have a good chemistry. I, I at least I think so. Like they're both like witty and funny. Uh, and so those scenes I kind of enjoyed, like, a little bit more than, like, the rest of them. And then Shane shows up with a camera. Then he tries to be deep by showing a picture of, like, an old couple next to a fucking trash can and being like, look, amidst all the chaos, like, they still find love. And it's, like, the worst way to attempt to be deep at all because all I see is some old people and a fucking trash can. And then he gets tased by some guy who sort of, kind of sort of looks like John Cena. I also talked about, and I think, I don't know if it's actually in the last episode or not because I did cut out a lot of stuff from the chair episode, but I did talk about how in one of the episodes they were, Shane was really, really into you know, or really, like, wanted to find the perfect guy to tay to be the tase guy, the security guard. And that scene was only for, like, fucking five seconds. So, like, why even put so much effort into finding the perfect guy when we didn't even... You could have just cut that entire part out of the movie and it would have made no difference. Like, it didn't really serve a purpose. So, for Shane to want to get so, like, into that is just very weird. And so then she ends up taking him and is like, okay, so we're gonna make a fuck it list. So you're gonna... You need to stop being so regiment every day. They So basically they're trying to build up Scott as being this like guy who has a stick up his ass. is very regiment and isn't like a, can't be laid back which in what point of this film have we seen that? Like he seems like a decent person. Like he doesn't seem like a fucking asshole. Like he's just a fucking normal person. There's nothing interesting about him but they're gonna make him this fuck it list and that's where things get even worse right so they go to a grocery store and Tori has like a watermelon under her shirt acting like she's pregnant and then they trip her and the watermelon explodes and the cashier lady is like screaming like haha that's so funny and then we get to see him get his ear pierced and a bunch of blood like squirting out of his ear because it went wrong. I don't know if that's true or not, like if that could happen, but we see a Latina woman with a baby acting very stereotypical Latina with the thick accent and everything. And while they're completing this really unnecessary bucket list that doesn't make any sense, has nothing to do with the movie at all, like it just kind of turns into a bucket list kind of thing, Joel picks up Janie for their study date or whatever in this huge ass party bus where we are introduced to, you guessed it, another Shane character, Aunt Hilda. If you remember Aunt Hilda, then you know. You know who that is. Yeah, so she's like making some weird joke about how she doesn't want them having sex in the back of the car or the uh the bus and is like unless it's like too partially ethnic looking maybe native americans blah 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 and, and some weird unnecessary jokes again he ends up taking her to her favorite restaurant gets her her favorite dress and at this point wouldn't you be like a bit concerned like if somebody was like doing all this weird shit for you that's supposed to be a study date. Like, if somebody showed up with a party bus that's supposed to be, like, a fucking study date, I'd be like, uh, I, I don't think so. Like, I think it's time for you to leave, right? But also just the fact that he's doing all this stuff that's apparently some of her favorite stuff. Like, wouldn't you kind of be like, uh, this is kind of weird. Like, how do you know that I like this restaurant or this dress was, like, saved on my Pinterest or something like that? Because they don't fucking talk to each other. They're not friends. So I don't, like, wouldn't that make anyone in general uncomfortable? Meanwhile, Shane or Scott and Janie are at the 
old high school gym where they're talking about their lives, right? And this is the, the scene where they really try to go deep and introspective. And I really do think Cher Me did her best with this because she... Uh, Tori was talking about how in high school, you know, she had a really bad time in high school and a lot of people bullied her. And Shane or Scott was part of that, whether he realized it or not. And it really upset her. Best acting I saw was the few lines where, you know, Scott was talking about how he wasn't really popular, right? In college, he, 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 he didn't know anybody. And he talked about a little bit about like his eating habits and like, you know, I would eat and then I would go to sleep and then I would eat. And I think like that was like the most, I, I don't want to say endearing because it's not necessarily endearing, but it's like best acting I've seen because, you know, if you, if you know about Shane, you know, he has spoken a lot about his eating disorder in the past and, and how he had to overcome that and, and stuff. And, you know, that's a very personal topic. And I do like that he kind of added in some personal things into the script because it made it more natural and fluid, in my opinion. And, like, you can really feel, like, the, the frustration and the sadness in those lines because that's something that actually happened to him. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the script is very, like, he, he doesn't really, he's like a, a caricature or a cartoon, and he doesn't really know how to act like someone that isn't himself, right? He put himself in a situation where he had to be this jock high school dude that was, like, really popular and, and, you know, was really cool, but in reality, he never really experienced that, and so he takes the script and, you know, pumps it up to, like, 11, right, you know, times 10, and makes it so exaggerated that there's no way this could be real, and he does that with all the characters as well. It was really nice kind of seeing that part of the movie. Um, but that was, like, the only thing that I could be like, yeah, I mean, that's that's good, right? The rest of it's just pure trash, you know? Meanwhile, after that scene, we see, and then this is finally the point where Janie's like, what the fuck is going on here, yo? Like, are you going to help me study for this history test? Or, like, what? And so they get back into the, the party bus, and they're talking, and he's trying, he's uh, being like, well, you just need to do this. And you just need to do that, right? And she's like, I don't know how to, I don't have a photographic memory, Joel. And he's like, well, let me just give you the test answers then. And she's just like, well, why can't you just have done that before? Because it's so weird that you're planning all this shit and you know everything about me and you're freaking me out. Because at this point, she's like, uh, this is weird. Which is like, why would it have taken you that long? And so they end up going to the Vinyl Vault, which is the record shop. And they have some band there singing the Degrassi theme song which is cool because for somebody who grew up watching Degrassi like yeah that's fun that's a cool blast from the past but Shane's target audience who's like fucking 12 year old isn't gonna know who the fuck Degrassi is and then Janie forgives him but then runs away because she's like I don't want to be with him yeah whatever and so they have another party at the Indian guy's house and we see Heather there acting like a fool, and they make some really gross fat jokes about one of the girls, and then they make a really gross joke about this girl in a, a motorized wheelchair and called her Megatron. And then Heather finds Scott and is like, hey Scott, I miss you so much, boo, and is trying to like have sex with him. And then meanwhile, Tori kind of feels bad and decides to go back to the, go to the party to find Scott, where she finds him in the bedroom with Heather. 
and she gets really upset and it's one of those stupid tropes where it's like you don't even it's like the person gets upset without letting the other person explain he's like wait let me explain and then she just runs away before she can even explain and then he runs out of the room and is like i was raped and then the girl and then like tori is like she can't rape you she's like 90 pounds the whole like women can't rape joke haha so funny right and then they go to the uh the board uh, the uh they cut to like a uh shot of the indian guy next to this board on the fridge that says rapes at this party and he erases the zero puts a one and then walks away solemnly and it's like oh that's very funny and then scott finds janie and is trying to talk to him about like how he wants to get tori back and janie's like bitch i don't give a shit about you we don't have a good relationship somehow he just hugged her and they were like okay we made up they don't even really like define janie and scott's relationship either like apparently they don't have a good relationship with each other because scott always made everything about him didn't really care about janie but why didn't they make that more apparent why didn't Shane make that more apparent earlier on? Because I'm so confused about the relationships with these people and how, how what they're supposed to be like, how they're supposed to feel about one another, because you can't fucking tell us. And then Shane goes to uh, Tori's house, and he shaves his head and is like, I'm such an asshole, and I really like you, and I want to get to know you and all this stuff. And the acting in that scene is not good either. Like, Shane's like... <laughs> And it, it's like so fucking awful. And his monologue is bad. And he can't deliver it to save his life. And then they have a dance scene at the Vinyl Vault. Which is the same song that they were dancing to earlier when they had that dance party thing, right? And that was so bad to watch. Like the, the chore choreography was bad. Choreography was awful. So awful. And then there is the final VO where everyone's going back to school. And it's about technology and how it like... You know, you need to live in the present and stop worrying about what's going on on your screen, which, I'm sorry, was that the theme of the movie? Like, was that what we were going for? Because not once was that mentioned throughout the entire movie, except in the beginning we saw people, like, tweeting and texting each other, but that was it. Like, there was nothing about, like, oh, you need to start living in the moment. Like, all in all, not cool tonally and thematically doesn't make sense the exposition was poor there was basically no exposition there's no death to any of these characters they're all stereotypical even like the side characters are really stereotypical and it's not worth watching i don't think it should have been made and i don't think they should have had shane be a competitor i think the only reason they had shane come on was because he was a really big YouTube star at the time, and I think the producers of The Chair really wanted somebody that they think that they could have pulled in more viewers with. That didn't, obviously, that didn't work out because they failed to, re to realize that Shane's core audience base are fucking children, and not every child has a subscription to stars. So, so looking here, it got a 4.1 out of 10 stars on IMDb. It has a 14% on the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes. And kind of looking at some of the critic reviews, like they have a little bit of each. Neil Genslinger from the New York Times said, no one involved with it should ever be allowed to work in the movies again, which that's hilarious. 
somebody named Robert Abel from the Los Angeles Times said, a stab, no, a frantic machete swipe at comedy that only date rapists, racists, and sociopaths could love. All right, so now we're going to be switching gears and talking about Holidaysburg, directed by A.M. Lucas, or at the time, Anna Marnamucci. In my notes, I did link uh, a couple of different reviews, one from The Hollywood Reporter, one from NY Times, and I'm going to read both of them to you just to kind of help establish like what this movie was about. I remember more about Not Cool than uh, I do Holidaysburg, again, because Holidaysburg was a bit lackluster in my opinion. So, I think first I'm going to go ahead and read the NY Times article because this one's a review. It is reviewed by Daniel M. Gull. Watching Holidaysburg feels a bit like being conscripted into a focus group. The slight rom-com by Anna Martimucci is the first fruit of the chair. Depending on how well audiences respond, Miss Martimucci could win $250,000. Disclaimer, I have not seen any episodes of The Chair. So I'm guessing around this time they were still kind of feeling it out, so we don't know who won. Um, same thing with the, uh, the Hollywood Reporter review I read for Not Cool. So a lot of these critic reviews came out before, you know, the end of the chair. That said, Holidaysburg is a pleasant, if unremarkable, coming-of-age film. In the Pennsylvania town of the title, some recent high school graduates reassemble at Thanksgiving after most have started college. Cue the partying family disputes, zany hookups, and rueful murmurs. Scott, Tobin Mitnick, comes the farthest from UCLA, only to find that his parents have sold their house and his girlfriend Heather, Claire Chappelle, wants to break up and drop out of Penn State. Heather's intrigued by Petroff, Tristan Irwin, Scott's smart friend who works in a pizzeria and sells weed. Scott gets interested in the sardonic Tory, Rachel Keller, who is sorting things out at Carne Carnegie Mellon. Okay, almost said Carnegie. <laughs> Production values are solid. Crisp, well-lighted visuals, nice music mixes, steady pacing. Most of the actors muster a decent scene or two of dry humor, but just about everything seems derivative, tapping the garden skate keg especially hard. And despite the occasional pronouncement that these trips home signify the end of childhood, the story is almost aggressively inconsequential, which, yeah, I mean, I definitely can agree with that. So switching over to The Hollywood Reporter, despite its gim gimmicky provenance, Holidaysburg proves to be a nicely low-key, unassuming coming-of-age tale about a group of former high school students reuniting in their Pennsylvania small town during Thanksgiving college break. Featuring appealing performances by its young cast of unknowns and enough well-observed moments to make its all-too-familiar themes feel reasonably fresh, it marks a strong industry calling card for its Tyro director. The anecdotal storyline concerns the typical issues revolving around friends, family, and romance, likely to be engendered on such an occasion. Former prom king Scott Tobin Mitnick is unceremoniously dumped by mid-coitus by his unhappy girlfriend Heather, Claire Chappelle. Adding to his misery is the news that his parents have sold their house and are moving to Florida. Reunited with his childhood friend Tori in meet-cute fashion, she accidentally hits him with her car. He soon discovers that his feelings for her have turned romantic. She, meanwhile, is struggling with having to spend time with her difficult family in re-examining her relationship with her former best friend, Katie. 
Heather, who wants to drop out of college, becomes intrigued with Scott's sardonic friend Petrov. The interactions among the characters, frequently, frequently telegraphed by on-screen text messages, are hardly dramatically or com comedically relevatory. But director Marnamucci, who grew up in the real-life titular town, the film was shot in nearby Pittsburgh, has a firm and affectionate grasp on the milieu. I guess that's how you say it. Um, Dan Schofer's screenplay, which includes such winning lines as Scott's genial brother advising his sibling, come on, let's go eat our feelings after the pair get high, thankfully never resorts to cheap humor at the expense of the characters. Despite its obviously low budget, the film looks terrific, with Mina Singh's cinematography making excellent use of the atmospheric locations. And I barely do agree. I think it was shot beautifully. It was a, such a beautiful looking movie. It's just that a lot of the script was very weak to me. Like it, it was very unappealing. I feel like I've seen so many other similar college kind of movies or coming of age movies, I guess, that kind of deal with the same thing. And I wish that Anna really pushed herself and made something super interesting. And it kind of makes me think back to the chair when she was spending all that time rewriting and rewriting her script. If she hadn't done so many rewrites, I kind of wonder what the that script would have looked like if she didn't keep you know, rewriting it. So I feel like maybe she might have had some more potential. Then again, maybe not. At the end of the day, we never really would know. So yeah, this movie opens up with Scott and Heather having sex. And she is being really like morbid. Heather's like, I think about dying a lot. I think we should break up. And Scott's like, damn, bro, that's fucking lame. And Heather is... You know, we hear her VO, which is very similar to the uh, voiceover in Dan Chauffeur's script. And it's actually, like, really, really nice. We kind of get to hear a little bit about her backstory through her voiceover, which is really cool. I really wish I could remember the storyline. So this one's going to be a little bit harder for me to kind of navigate just because my notes are very, like, vague. So reading these two reviews did help somewhat. Then we are introduced, I believe, to Scott's older brother, who knew about the uh, the parents moving out. But the reasoning that nobody told Scott was because Scott never like answers the phone, doesn't really talk uh, to his family that much. And I do want to point out that this script is more in line with Dan Chauffeur's script. Like it's he, she didn't really make too many changes as far as like the storyline goes, which is very nice. Um, but to be honest, like I read the entirety of Dan Chopra's script and it was very lackluster to me as well. It was really boring. So I think that that's at fault with the producers of The Chair really because they could have picked a more interesting script. Um, but again, maybe they picked this bland script just to see what these directors could do with it. And I guess we saw the result for both of the movies, not really good on either end of the spectrum. So we meet Tori's friend, Katie, I think was her name. I'm not going to go step by step throughout this entire uh, movie. Uh, I will kind of like pick apart a little bit of it because I know I spent a lot of time talking about not cool. So I kind of want to just wrap this one up real quickly. We do meet all the characters throughout the movie, but for me, it was really hard to keep up with who was who. I wasn't really, it took me a long time to figure out what the older brother's name was. And even now I still can't remember it. They changed the best friend Janie's name to, I guess, Katie. And then we're introduced to Tori's sister who's dating or is engaged to a, another woman who 
actually Anna plays that girl. I feel that like they really did focus more on the drama to, drama aspect um, more than the comedy. Like in Shane's movie and I think that was probably a better choice for this kind of material but still it was very bland like even like the color palette for a lot of this movie it was very muted kind of gray monotonous colors and while I understand like that was a reflection of like Heather's like issues with like I, he she doesn't want to go to college anymore she's struggling with you know I'm guessing some mental health issues it's not really apparent in the film and I think that kind of totally goes with like that attitude and like how she's feeling emotionally like I feel like there's such there was such like much more potential with this movie that there could have been there it, it's nothing like not even like anything that was said in any of these monologues or any dialogue throughout the script that really jutted out to me except for Heather saying I think about dying a lot which is something such a weird thing to say to somebody when you're having sex with them but you know I kind of liked how they opened up with that I believe like Tori or Heather whoever is being brought to a party right and so this one centers around parties as well but these ones are more like realistic to me because you know when I was I remember going to parties pre-COVID right and it was more it wasn't necessarily a party it was like more of like a kickback and like you wouldn't have like a bunch of people like crammed into a house like acting crazy and doing all this weird shit right I mean you we had maybe like at most it was like 25 30 people at once in one of these parties we just kind of hung out and talked to each other and catched up you know some of us were out of town for school and, and all that fun stuff so it was, this one was more realistic to me and so I think we find out later on Scott's mom ended up getting a job somewhere else and Scott has the job of having to pack up a bunch of his childhood toys him and his brother and so I guess it kind of makes him feel a little bit nostalgic and, and sad because like you know he's off to college and I think he I think in this movie he also was having kind of a rough time but he wasn't thinking about dropping out of college like uh, Heather was and so having to you know him and his brother having to go through like all their childhood things and stuff was like was a lot of emotions kind of stirring up and it kind of upset him pair that with Heather bringing up with him like yeah he he is really like upset yeah I, I like Anna's little scenes that she was in I think she was kind of cute um the only thing I wasn't big on was like the amount of weird faces she was making it's like the delivery of lines was decent kind of just like maybe relaxed her face but we get to see some kind of lower thirds for text messaging throughout this um movie which I don't really Get what was up with doing that in both of these movies because it's not centralized uh, it's, the theme of it isn't about like social media so I mean I guess it's a good way to like kind of show what people are texting but like I don't know I just didn't I don't know if I really liked it or not and then Scott smoking pot with his brother which yeah he totally seems like he knows what the fuck he's doing I, a lot of this I'm also thinking about because I watched Nick Duramio's video he's a he's a youtuber who talks about similar stuff and he talked about these videos as well which gave me like the inspiration to talk about this stuff as well but it's not as fun because I'm not like actively watching the movie right now uh that would be like even more boring actually I said I actually like the version this version of Tori compared to Not Cool the OG script because I get she seems more realistic to me the way that she delivered her lines was a lot better not saying that Jeremy was not good again I just think it has a lot to do with like the script too and there is a lot of chemistry between Scott and Tori or the actors who played them and so that made it more believable for me throughout this entire movie so definitely kind of shows that like it 
there's so many factors that go into making movies. Like, you got to find the right actors who can also have really good chemistry together. Um, you have to have a good script. You have to make sure it looks pretty. At the end of the day, like, you can make these films, like, as pretty as you want. But if your script and your actors aren't good, then the movie's not going to be good. So it's more, it's not just visuals. It's, like plotting and story as well so you have to kind of find that balance between all of these different things and it can be a very difficult thing and I think that Anna was really going for this kind of like tonally nostalgic-esque kind of like dramedy type deal that is more of coming of age and more serious while I think that is such a good idea it just didn't really pan out that way in my opinion like it just didn't seem that great like it's definitely a movie that it's it's cute it's a cute little movie and I much rather watch this movie over Shane's movie because it's you know but even then like it that doesn't necessarily make it that much better like it's only a little bit better you know what I mean and there was a, a lot of really like slow parts in this movie like it felt like it was going on forever there was a lot of talking and just a lot of stopping and, and many monologues and things like that and it's like okay I get it like she was focusing more on the dialogue aspect than the action aspect and it just didn't really work for me it just made it more like uh, more boring and a very slow moving movie even though I think this movie was about like 82 90 minutes long um it did feel like a lot longer <laughs> when watching this movie I do want to say that I did like Phil the older brother his monologue with the pumpkin scene where he's making the pumpkin scene he did kill it because there was a scene in the chair where they were talking about how they had to retake that one over and over again because he just was not like getting it correctly I really do think he ended up nailing that one so that's really great I also want to say that the way that they kind of talk about the parents I can't remember if it was Tori or Heather's because there's like a difference like right like in Sheen's they wanted to talk about their sex life and shit but they made it like really awkward and gross but whereas with this one it was kind of like it was a little joke it was funny it was more like fluid it made more sense in that time just it's more subtle it's more subtle humor that kind of pops up here and there and it's not overdone which is really nice but I feel like there could have been a little bit more of that but also like this just the pacing of the movie in general could have been more fast-paced you know what I mean Heather finally brings up that she's very upset like she wants to uh she's upset and she wants to leave college like she doesn't want to go back and the dad is really upset about this I feel like the person who played Heather's dad wasn't that great because he had like no facial expression whatsoever when he was supposed to be upset so that kind of like threw me out of the scene like I couldn't really get immersed into some of this movie because of like the acting you know one of the notes I also wrote in here was the tone of this movie it feels like a restrained melodramatic kind of tone where you know they she wants to push harder like you can see where she's going but it's like she's reluctant and she stops herself like she doesn't feel like she's not really sure what direction she wants to take it in and that's how it feels like in a majority of this movie. I mean towards the end like the last 30 something minutes is when it really started to drag on. Like this one also had a lot of party scenes too. Like there was a party every night. And like I said earlier it was very realistic. It made more sense right? And they actually had a fight scene in this uh, last party I think between Petrov and uh, Scott because Heather was starting to hang out with Petrov more and I think they had sex or something like that. So I think Scott got really upset about that because he still has feelings for Heather obviously like that would make total sense. You 
know, it just, I think the choreography for that was pretty decent. I mean, throughout this movie, I just couldn't help but, like, space out because of the time. They're really, I don't really have too much notes on this movie, and again, I don't have the full synopsis of this movie, and I don't really want to go back and find it or or watch this movie again. Uh, but all in all, like, I favored this movie over Not Cool, but that doesn't necessarily mean it. Holidaysburg is, like, a masterpiece or, like, very good a very good example of like great cinema because like the bar is already super low when you watch Shane Dawson's movie first because of how egregious it is and it's like very offensive and really like unfunny um Shane is the kind of person that tries very hard you know he tries too hard on his jokes they're basically for a certain demographic but I do want to delve in a little bit about like YouTube algorithms and stuff like that. So YouTube really caters to a certain audience and it's usually preteens to teens or early people in their early 20s like that's the core audience and that is definitely one of the hardest audiences to maintain because people are constantly getting older but then there's always going to be those new kids that come in and like may, they might like that comedy but also like things change rapidly fast like there's always going to be new trends and things like that and they come and go like you know so it's really hard to keep up with that. Shane is the kind of person who thinks that this edgy humor from like 2008 is still funny in 2014 when it really wasn't and it's definitely not funny now and I'm sure that his fans at the time really liked this movie and appreciated it but because it was like rated R like I don't think that many people could have gone and as we've seen at least from what Nick Dromio said in his video that a lot of people only went to these screenings because Shane was there and the screenings that Shane wasn't at, barely anyone showed up. So all in all, I really do say like, if you really want to watch one of these movies that came from the docu-series, I do recommend just watching Holidaysburg. Um, it does fall flat, but like, again, it's just like, there's already such a low standard watching the docuseries itself too because it's like they even the producers of that series didn't know what they were doing and they were still struggling to get finance finances secured while they already started filming so I mean that kind of says a lot about these producers as well like if they can't even get a handle on the docuseries like the main show of this competition then how can we trust them to get a good handle on the uh, movies that are coming from this competition. So I mean, you know, I think it's something that is definitely was good for both Shane and Anna to kind of figure out like their directing styles and, and kind of figure out like what is it like to really work with a team of people in this industry but also like it probably would have been a better experience if the producers of the show were more prepared that was the reason why the chair was so unsuccessful and that's why both these movies were not as successful uh so that's just something to keep in mind when watching these movies i guess so this is the second to last episode of this season i believe in december we're gonna have our jack frost episode out with me and nate i'm very excited about that and then we're going to be taking a hiatus and then coming back in january with season two thank you guys so much for listening to this 
this episode and listening to this podcast. If you've been like staying with us from the beginning, I am so excited for the upcoming year. Support us, man. Share this episode or the podcast in general with your friends, with your family, anyone that you think would be interested in it. You can also go on Anchor and send us voice messages and we can use those in the actual episodes. You know, if you have questions for us or if you want us topics you want us to talk about, like please feel free to DM us, contact us, send us some voice messages. And if you really feel up to it, you can also donate to us through Anchor as well. And everything is going to be in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on our socials at Spaghetti Fic Pod, at Spaghetti Fiction Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those are going to be linked below. I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season, that you are all staying safe. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.